Welcome to the Preserving Family podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. We are so glad that you're with us today for this episode on discipline. And what we're going to talk about is the role that discipline plays in families and with children. But really what we're going to focus on, we're, we're doing this series on discipline, but we're going to focus on relationship today and how crucial relationships are, especially in the context of, of discipline. Because if there isn't a relationship, discipline's going to be really tough. So one of the things I'd love to share as we begin is I've really enjoyed studying the life of President Nelson. He's fascinating in so many ways. And one of the things that impresses me so much about him is his role as a father. He was busy. He was a state president for a while. He uh, had a busy uh, medical practice. He was a surgeon doing heart surgery. One of the things that he noticed was that a lot of his colleagues were losing their children, you know, so to speak. Uh, their children were falling away, disconnecting from family, had problems with drugs and alcohol, and and you know some of the things that uh, could could be not would be, but that could be a natural result of living in a very affluent family. And so, President Nelson did not want that to happen to his children. And one of his ways of working on that was spending one on time one on one time with his kids. So every Thursday night was his night with the with the children. You know he would. Dancel had, she was in the Tabernacle Choir and she would go to practice and he would stay home. And he wasn't the kind of dad that was watching ESPN. He was, you know, uh, actively engaged and yeah, in every way, right? He was helping them with homework and making sure that they were, you know, taking showers and brushing their teeth and practicing their piano or their instruments and reading stories, you know, all those things. He was just a good dad that way. Another thing he would do is every Saturday morning, he would take all of his kids out and away from the home uh, and, and go do something fun with them. So part one of that was that so he could connect with his kids. But part two is he was trying to give Dancil a break. He was just really good about that. He talks in uh, his autobiography, Heart to Heart, about fishing with, with if you can imagine this, with nine daughters. And uh, talked about how he spent most of the time just un- untangling fishing lines, you know. But... <laughs> that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that <laughs> does sound close familiar. To home. <laughs> yeah, uh, he would take him skating. He would take him to a pool. He would just do all these fun things with him, and I thought that was great. But most impressive to me, and once again, I had the opportunity to go through his autobiography once again, heart from heart to heart, where he documented. Most of his travel uh, through the 1960s and 70s, and I was able to determine that on 22% of his business travel, and that was all pretty much medical conferences, but he always took a kid. You know, he always took one of his children. And it wasn't like in an order, you know, like, okay, who went last time? It was, he would say to Dancel, who needs me? And they would go. And some of those daughters talked about, you know, how impactful that was for them in terms of one daughter talked about we went to New York we went to the opera we went and ate lasagna together and she made it a point that lasagna and the opera were two of his favorite things you know other daughters went to other places but they remembered those 
daughters today are our grandmothers, but they remember those one-on-one experiences with their dad that just made a huge difference, uh, connected them to him and him to them. One time he got on a plane and he said, with one of his children going to a conference, and by the way, before I say that, let me just say 22%, that was the number of conferences, you know, the percentage of conferences he took children to, 21% of the conferences he attended, he took Dansel. So it wasn't that he left her out either. They were they were traveling together. But he gets on an airplane, and there is an apostle, Elder Marquis Peterson. And Elder President Nelson never wanted to come across as lavish or extravagant in any way. And he actually apologized to Elder Peterson, saying that I'm, I'm really sorry if this looks extravagant. And Elder Peterson not shouted, but, you know, emphatically said, extravagant. That's, no, this is, I see this as an investment. And it was a great investment, that investment that he made in, in taking his children with him on those trips. So, yeah, using President Nelson as an example, you know, relationship is so crucial. Connection and relationships with our children are foundational and fundamental. In fact, I think, Janie, we probably feel the same way, but I, if there's no relationship, I don't know what kind of influence you're going to be able to have. It's zero. Zero. Who would, who would listen <laughs> to, a, you know, a parent that was tyrannical or mean or they, they had no relationship with? Right. And I, I remember talking to someone in my counseling practice a few years ago who had a father who was very dictatorial, uh, no relationship whatsoever, and uh, just pretty harsh and mean to his kids. But this uh, this person told me that by the time we were teenagers, we just tuned him out. I mean, we just didn't really care. And now, those you know that that man that I'm referring to is is you know he's pretty old himself, and his father would be really old, you know, probably in his 80s or 90s. But he said there's just no relationship there at all. There's just there just it wasn't built early on and. And maybe this is why, because rules without relationship equals rebellion. I think that's mm. a great... A we great... see that all the time, don't we? Yeah. With children, teenagers, that you can't just come in and enforce rules if there's no relationship, because they do rebel. And right. I love that quote. Say it again. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. Mm, that's we, profound. We may not see that rebellion right there on the spot, you know, when it takes place, but we certainly will see it some at some point down the road right so let us share with you a little bit of research about relationship and why it's so crucial why president nelson was on to something a long time ago consistent stable positive and emotional connections with parents will equip children with important social skills it gives them a sense of security that the world is safe is and predictable and one of the greatest ways that parents can do that is by spending individual time with their children. So that reminds me of um, one of my favorite movies, Cheaper by the Dozen, which was based on a book called Cheaper by the Dozen by Ernestine Gilbert Carey. And in the foreword or the tribute, I thought this was classic. She said, to dad who only reared 12 children and to mother who reared 12 only children. And I just thought how cute that was and what a tribute that was to her mom that each of those 12 children felt like an only child to their mom because she, you know, treated them like that. And they had that special relationship with had her. Had that connection. I yeah. love that. I think that is really cool. Well, that reminds me back to, uh, to President Nelson when they interviewed some of his daughters 
who said I never they said I never felt dad was too busy for us. I don't think they knew how busy he was because he found ways to connect with them, which I think is amazing. More research now. Parent-child connectedness is associated with a wide range of health indicators, close positive family relationships that feature open communication. So there's that key of communication can help young people stay healthy and avoid substance abuse, poor psychological health, risky sexual behaviors, and violent relationships. Here's more family warmth support along with family management practices like meals, monitoring, uh, Parents being involved with their children's friendships and relationships can also play a pivotal role in positive development outcomes such as emotional regulation, curiosity, coping skills. So there's a lot of benefits to relationship. I mean, research shows it. I mean, we know it from our hearts, but research shows that when there's a strong positive relationship with parents, children are more likely to perform better socially, academically, Yet at the same time, they have better mental health outcomes, overall well-being. In fact, BYU, some BYU researchers just did a study a little while ago showing that when children felt a strong connection with their parents, they had fewer depressive symptoms. Or In other, in other words, depression was really uh, mitigated or lessened as those relationships were strong. Now, here's another interesting side of research because I think parents may mistakenly believe sometimes that maybe their children don't want to be with them, you know, don't want to share time with them, don't want to be together. But research shows that, shows that that's really not true. In fact, in one study, the majority of young people aged 10 through, let's say, 13, even 15 in this particular study, said that they actually enjoyed spending time with their parents. Now, as children get older into those later teen years, that decreases a little bit. But the, but the majority of children actually like being with mom and dad, which I think is kind of cool. In fact, in this same study, looking at, let's say, girls and boys ages 10 to 11, 77% of the girls and 68% of the boys said they love spending time with their parents. And now as we go up the scale... And look at ages 14 to 15, 53% of girls and 54% of boys said they loved spending time with their parents. So I think that's that's fascinating. Yeah. I love that. And I love that I love that children want to spend time with their parents, you know, right. even if sometimes we don't think they do. <laughs> I know. Maybe they're mopey, maybe, you know, yeah. they roll their eyes, but they really do want right. time with their parents. Um, I really learned a lot from this quote by Wall H. Wallace Goddard. Yeah. And he says, children need more than love. They need continuing relationships with the people who love them. People used to talk a lot about quality time with their kids, but they seem to mean I'm going to do something very nice and maybe even spend some money on you, but I only have a half an hour. So enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah. Then that's no way to build a relationship. Relationships include taking time to be with each other. It's also about sensing the other person's unique hopes and wishes and dreams and all those kind of things. So, right. Anyway, he goes on to say relationships are not built while running a stopwatch. They grow when people take time to be together. But there's more at issue than time. We need to be in tune with the other person's needs, their feelings, preferences. Sometimes the opportunity to show our love comes at opportune times and in unexpected ways. For each person, there is a different pattern of hopes, dreams, needs, and preferences. 
And that reminds me a lot of, you know, when we had our teenagers at home. It's never convenient, right? When they come home at one in the morning from a date, that's when all of a sudden they're talky-talky and they, you know, you, you just want to collapse in the bed. On midnight. They came home at midnight. Or whenever, I'm by kidding. the time. <laughs> but, you know, that's when they want to talk. Or right as you're getting ready to run out the door to an appointment, all of a sudden they open up or they start crying and, and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> we got we to gotta drop our agenda here. Yeah. It's yeah. never convenient, but we have to be there for our children and we have to take the time, not just quality time, but quantity time to build and to understand them and where they're coming from and to know them deeply. I, I love what you, you're saying. I When I was in graduate school, I remember reading a story in a book by two researchers from the University of Nebraska. They were talking about the debate between quantity time and quality time, because at the time... You know, back in the 80s and 90s, it was a big, it was in vogue as a parent to, well, I spend quality time with our kids, you know. And what they wanted to show is, no, quantity is really important too. We've got to be there. We have to be involved with our children's lives. And they they gave this example of going to the greatest restaurant. So we could say Ruth Chris Steakhouse, right? Uh, But Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and you were so excited to eat that Ruth Chris Steak. But yet when the waiter brings it out, it's it's not the 16-ounce steak you thought you were getting, or even bigger for some, but it's it's just like a one-inch cube. And you're you start to complain to the waiter, right? It's like, hey, wait a minute, I ordered this steak and and where's the rest of it? And the waiter explains, Well, hey, don't worry about it. It's the quality. It's not the quantity. But if you <laughs> if you had that experience, you'd walk out of Ruth's Chris really, uh, really upset, I think. Quantity matters. Yeah, we need them both. That's for sure. We really do. You know, in Madeline Levine's book, which is, I recommend it to anyone who really wants to read and study up on just principles of parenting, but she, she her book is called The Price of Privilege. And one of the trends that she identifies in her book is that today parents are so busy, and regardless, if, if that's with work or just activities, or busy with all the children combined, it doesn't matter, but the parents are so busy that what they're actually doing today is not so much spending time, quantity or quality, but they're giving things to their kids. You know, they're buying things, they're shelling out the dough, and and we're going on the great cruises and the great vacations and some of those, and awesome clothes and and all the electronics and that kind of thing, but the children are really missing out on this connection with their parents. And once again, having a stable connection with your parents, having a strong relationship with them and with siblings. Once again, we direct you back to that research that if we want our children, the the outcomes that we're hoping for, that they're well-adjusted, that they perform well academically, that mental health is in a good place, all those things, you got to have, we need to have those quality relationships. You know, one of my favorite family researchers is John Gottman out of the University of Washington. And in his research over the years, and this was 20 years of research of observations, and they were able to uh, recognize that in order for a relationship to thrive and to be healthy, there needed to be a five to one ratio of positive to negative interactions. Not even words, but just interactions, because that could be verbal or nonverbal. But five to one is the ratio of positive to negative. And I've always told people, you know what, let's use the same principle in parenthood. You know, that our 
interactions with our children should be a five to one ratio of positive to negative if we want the relationship to thrive and be successful. Yeah, I recently read somewhere that it says that it's estimated that an average teenager hears 10 negative comments about himself or herself for every positive comment. Isn't that crazy? 10 negative. 10 negative to everyone. Wow. And these kids are just are really struggling. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a hard world for them to grow up in. So well, yeah. can you imagine living in a hard world, going being to school, at school all day, day, and then you come home and, and you're getting clubbed over the head, right? Yeah, with the negative. Home has to be a sanctuary and a safe place. Right. So, yeah. How parents, how are we doing in our own home? <laughs> we talked about culture a few edu- a few episodes ago with McKay Christensen. And, you know, if we have a negative culture going on in our home, I think we really need to turn that ship around. We've got to build a culture in our home of positivity, of compliments, of love, and have it be a really safe, warm, loving space, I think, for mm-hmm. our children. In one of Randall Wright's books, A Case for Chastity, he had this little incident which totally reminded me of this, what we're talking about. But he said, one mother told me she recently chastised her teenage son for some trivial matter. When she was through, her 14-year-old meekly looked up and said, Mom, is there anything you do like about me? This shocked her into realizing that because of the love she felt for her son and the desire to have him achieve, she spent most of her time with him pointing out his faults. And I think that's so common for parents, right? We're just so busy. We kind of get in the thick of it. We're just like barking orders, get your room clean, get your assignments done. You know, did you turn in your paper? Is your thing done? You know, that we, we need to stop and realize, okay, nope, I need to just express because we do love our children more than in life itself. And we need to express that to them because I don't think sometimes they feel that from us. We may feel it's implied or something. It reminds me of President Nelson sharing another story, but he was kind of barking some orders, probably in his calm, quiet way. Can't imagine him barking too loud, but, you know, telling his children, get dressed, brush your teeth. Uh, Did you make your bed? That kind of stuff. And one of his young four-year-old daughters, I think, looked up at him and said, Daddy, do you own me? And that was kind of the wake-up call for him of, okay, I got to fix this. You know, he was kind of feeling (laughs) that he was a little out of balance there. And I know all of us have felt out of balance at times. You know, a few years ago, I was teaching a class at Education Week on parenting, and I shared the story of one of our daughters and just how she was struggling with some of our family rules on dating. And after, you know, several kind of violations of, of those rules, we just knew as parents that it was, our, it was time to make a statement and kind of, uh, you know, offer some correction and some discipline and just get her back on the right track. And so... Some privileges were taken away. She did lose her cell phone for a little while, and uh, we kept her away from her friends for a a little time. You know, we told her she's just going to hang out with us and be our best buddy for a little (laughs) while, and I know she was super excited about that. But uh, And then, as I shared that experience of, you know, kind of this was along the lines of natural and logical consequences, a woman came up to me after, and she just said, how could you do that? And I said, do what? And she said, how in the world could you take away your daughter's cell phone because if we did that in our home we would have anarchy going on maybe even our house would be blown up by our teenagers or i mean she was kind of being dramatic but anyway so she said could you please explain to me how you did that and i actually told her no i said i I don't think i can explain that because all of our children are so different uh but i can tell you this i said if you're asking how can we do that to our daughter, one of the main reasons was because with that daughter, and I hope with all of our children, we had a great relationship. 
And even while she was restricted, if you want to use that word, and lost those privileges, we were with her every day. We're picking up her favorite McFlurry on the way home from school. We're reading for the strength. Of, I, I, I vividly remember reading from the For Strength of Youth up in her bedroom, Janie, while you were rubbing her back, which she loved, <laughs> and just talking about all these things, right? And, and she knew. She had blown it. You know, yeah. But... And then once again, that was her. That was her nature, you know, so we can't compare her to all the uh, all other children. But but once again, and it wasn't that the relationship started at that point, like, okay, boy, she's in trouble. We better really... That relationship had been there for a long time, you know, and I, I often kind of paraphrase a verse in the New Testament, Joseph Smith translation in Peter, where charity covereth or preventeth. I think charity preventeth a multitude of sins. And I often think relationship, not really necessarily prevent sins, but what relationship does is it allows parents to make mistakes every now and then as well, because our children will be more forgiving of us and, and more drawn to us if we have a relationship with them. And so we had that great relationship with our daughter then. We still do today. Uh, she turned out to be an outstanding young woman, serving a mission, marrying right in the temple, and now raising children of her own. But once again, it was because the relationship that was there that allowed us to enact the discipline that we needed to. So here are some ideas and suggestions on how we can can build better relationships with our children, with our teenagers, and we are not implying that these are the only ways to do that. You know, there's here's some ideas, you know, and, and I'm sure we're sure that you could add a few yourself to this list. But number one, our, a, a good prime area to start with is just having a great one-on-one -on -one relationship with our children. Regardless of how many children we have, we need to find ways to spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. Yeah, and I love that a lot of people take their children on date nights or have a special you know, rotate every Saturday morning, they take their children to their favorite place or to go get donuts or whatever. And I love that. I think that's so important to spend individual one-on-one -on -one time with each child. Um, it could be just driving your kids to their dance practice or soccer practice or whatever, but take advantage. I, I sometimes would get lost in the radio or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, my kid's sitting next to me. I need to talk to them. <laughs> so let's just take every precious moment that we have. Another yeah. thing we can do is really listen to them instead of us do the talking, ask questions to them and not yes or no questions because we know that they're just going to be like, God, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> but let give them opportunities to talk and to share about what's going on in their life and then just listen with no judgment. I love that. Yeah. To be better, good listeners. We like to talk a lot as parents. We get give a lot of lectures, but to really listen to them is a key to building relationships, especially when they feel that they've been heard. Another experience or another way, I think, to build that connection is that when you talk with them, share your own experiences, especially when you were their age. I always loved telling our children stories when I was their age. And I realize as our children are adults now that I did that a lot with some of them, but then others occasionally will say, wait, dad, I've never heard that story. I'm like, wait, what? You never heard the story of the... Anyway, but it's, I think, you know, our defeats, our losses, but also our victories and great experiences. But our children need to know about that. They need to know that, yeah, dad wasn't perfect or mom, you know, and that, yeah, that was a hard time in life when this happened or whatever the trial was. And, but have also the empathy. funny stories too. I was just saying, just have that empathy with them that we, that we understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we talked about it a minute ago too. Is just uh, finding the good in them, building them up, praising them, having it be a safe space to be with you, to be at home or to be in the car with you, and not be afraid. But for I think them to share. Yeah, but I think compliments and praise are how you build relationships with people. I mean, we're we're going to be drawn if there's a friend, if there's someone in my ward, if there's someone in my neighborhood who's always giving out compliments and praise, I want to hang out with that person, right? Versus the one who's always telling me. <laughs> how you messed up <laughs> how yeah how how horrible i am right yeah um we can do the things that they like to do if we mm. have a, a daughter who likes to go out and kick the soccer ball even though that's not my favorite thing maybe i just need to go out and kick the soccer ball with her <laughs> whatever right. whatever that may be that was always hard for me i always was trying to steer them into the things i like to do <laughs> and i realized that was probably wrong you know as now all of our daughters shoot guns and uh <laughs> throw balls and kick and but uh, but no, to to meet them in their area of interest, you know, when it's not our area of interest, in my mind, is a great sign of, of real love. Another one is this idea of just expressing love and appreciation often. Right. And using physical affection. We should be hugging our children, kissing our children, you know, playing with their hair, whatever their love language is. I think affection from parents is really important. In a study done um, in effective Mormon families, they found out that really good families, 97% of them tell each other that they love each other. 96% do things for each other. Mm. 94% participate in hugging. There was lots of hugging going on in the family. 91% told each other they loved them by by phoning or writing notes or things like that. And then 85% of these families, you know, kissed each other. Wow. And so I think, yeah, physical, physical affection is very important to communicate that love to our children. I do too. I think it's awesome. Another one is just the idea of just treating our children with kindness. You know, sometimes as parents, we actually treat the mailman or the neighbor or some distant friend in our ward or, or, or stake better than we treat our own children, but just treating them with kindness and love and respect, not demeaning them ever. Yeah, and then managing that anger and frustration, not taking that out on our children. You know, I mean, there's definitely a time to correct. There's definitely a time to discipline, to teach, but we it doesn't need to be done in anger and frustration. Right. That destroys relationships. I think that every time we express anger, I always thought of it this way, but it's like putting a brick on a wall, you know, and, and over time that wall becomes, you know, 20 or 30 feet high and 10 feet thick, and it's really hard to bring that wall down. And I... I recognize that in my own life and my own parenting sometimes is, okay, I think I'm building a wall here that's not, this is not what we want to do. Let's, let's correct this behavior quickly. And then probably the last one, and who knows, you know, if someone did the research on this, maybe it's the most important one, but just having fun together. I mean, if you want to connect with teenagers and children, it better be fun, right? I mean, that's where they're going to be drawn to. They're going to be drawn to wanting to be where the fun is. In fact, it's my belief that if you show me a parent who has no fun with their children, I'll show you a parent that probably has a poor relationship with their children. You know, we've heard many times that families who pray together stay together, but I think families who play together stay together as well. (laughs) Yeah, that reminds me when I was a a teenager, I hated when people would ask me to babysit or I even (laughs) hated going on dates because I hated leaving home. We had 
so much fun. My my parents did a really great job of creating a culture of fun and just, I don't even know what we did. I remember my dad pulling out ice cream and 10 spoons and we would just sit around and talk and laugh and, um, but. I've seen uh, some of those pictures of uh, your dad pouring whipped cream on people's <laughs> heads and. But because, because I love being home, I literally hated going out. And so I think that's a, a great sign of a great, healthy culture in your home <laughs> if your kids and your family like to be there. They like to be together, right? <laughs> Whatever your fun is. Maybe your fun is boating. Maybe your fun is going to ball games. Maybe your fun is going to movies or whatever your family fun is, but do lots of it. Yeah. And going back to McKay Christensen in his podcast with us a little while ago, that we're creating cultures here. We are create whether you want to or not. You know, I mean, if you're not having fun, you're you just created a culture yeah. that you probably aren't going to be too yeah, proud negative of. Negative culture. But to create a culture in your home of positivity, of happiness, of joy, of of fun together, and remember, you create cultures with repetition. You know, and so you continue to do those things, and then people are drawn. Your children are drawn to the home. And I think, Janie, what we would both say, something that we love today is for our children, at least who live close by, we love that they still like to come home and and hang out. Yeah, we do. That's paid off for us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes in my my counseling practice, a parent will ask, you know, what do you do when there's a child in your family that you really don't connect with that well or, or that you don't have a relationship with? I don't think anyone should feel guilty if there's a child in your family that you find it very easy to connect with and another one you find it more difficult. I think that's that's common. But we certainly need to be prayerful. And we certainly need to find a way to get into their heart, into their soul, so to speak. And sometimes that may mean that we need to back up a little bit and evaluate the relationship, especially if maybe with that particular child we're aloof or if we're coming down really hard on the discipline side of things. Right. I know that we had times where maybe I was struggling with a certain child and I would say, okay, Mark, you've got, you've got them. Right. <laughs> you've got to handle them for the next few weeks. Well, I rebuild the relationship. I need to go be the fun mom now. Yeah. I need to be the one taking them and let's go get ice cream and talking because we are, we have a really strained relationship right now. And I know sometimes it was reverse. You were the one and you'd come and say, I can't deal with them right now. You've got to deal with them. I've got to build relationships. And so I think that's something that we can do, Yeah, you know, is just be the, just really cognizant. I'm going to give them positive compliments for the next mm -hmm. few weeks. I've got to regain that trust. I've got to spend time with them, you know, and reminds us of, of President Utdorf's statement just from our last general conference where he said, now perhaps you feel that your relationship with your child is less than ideal that's where the Savior's power comes in. He heals the sick. He can heal relationship. He can heal relationships. He multiplies bread and fish, and he can multiply the love and the joy in your heart and home. And I believe, and I think, Janie, you do too, that charity is a gift. It's a gift that we can pray for. And if we're struggling with a child, we are praying and asking for help to receive that gift of charity, that gift of connection, to find ways to build that relationship with that particular child. Even maybe just praying to see the positivity in them or to see the see things that we can compliment them in. Or Right, right. And maybe just to highlight this idea that we're going to connect in different ways with our children as parents, that a mother and a father are not going to connect necessarily in the same way. I mean, Janie, one of my favorite memories of you, and it's still a great memory, meaning because you still do it today, but just 
walking into our kitchen and seeing you sitting around with our daughters. Maybe you were cooking or cleaning something, but you were always talking and always listening and sometimes just sitting down with them but and just having watching them open up and just talk and share with you and having you share your ideas with them. I just always loved watching that. Yeah, one of the the ways this is we are very different because you would like to do things physically with them. You, I'd watch you running up and down the sidelines at their soccer game or trying to get on the football field to get close, you know, down <laughs> on the, that was always your big achievement. If you could get onto the field to scream and yell at our son or, um, or even daughters at their basketball game, that at was their basketball <laughs> game or chasing maybe a daughter that ran cross country and he would practically run the whole way, you know, cheering her on. And we just do, we connect differently and I appreciate that. And that's okay. However we can connect with our child. And if it works, that's awesome. In fact, the greatest connecting principle with your children is the one that works. Whatever works, do it. So in closing for our discussion today, I have a short story and Mark has a short story and then <laughs> we're going to end. We love telling stories. <laughs> we do. We love learning mm. by stories. But I love this one by Charles Francis Adams, the grandson of the second president of the United States. He was a successful lawyer and a member of the U.S. US House of Representatives and the U.S. Ambassador to Britain. And amidst his great responsibilities, he had little time to spare. He did, however, keep a diary. One day he wrote, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. On that same day, Charles' son, Brooks Adams, had printed in his own diary, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. Love that. Oh, my goodness. So even though we think maybe it's a waste, maybe we think we're not getting through to our children, our children really need their parents in their life. And maybe like that study shows that maybe our children like us more than we think, you know. (laughs) And hopefully, in the case of this parent, Charles Francis Adams that you read about, I really hope that he liked his kid. (laughs) So my story comes from Randall Wright's book, A Case for Chastity. I appreciate Randall for sharing this with us. Uh, He tells the story of a friend of his, a colleague who I I know as well. It was was quite a few years ago, but he was uh, in the church educational system with an assignment that caused him to travel a great deal. And in order to continue building relationships With my children, he said, I would often take one of them with me in my travels. And on one such occasion, my six-year-old Mike and I traveled from Springfield, Missouri to Fort Smith, Arkansas. We talked about school and related topics as we drove along the interstate. I decided it would be a good time to teach my son about the creation of life. I pondered on, on the understanding he had about this sacred subject. I decided to test his knowledge and try to teach him some valuable lessons of life. Mike, I said, have you noticed that there is a difference between boys and girls? And after thinking about it for a while, he said, yes, dad, girls are pretty and boys are ugly. Though I was tempted to chuckle, I remained serious and tended tended to agree somewhat with him. I asked him if he realized what it meant for his mother to be pregnant. Yes, dad, it means she's going to have another baby. Well, son, do you have any questions about that? He thought for a moment. And said, does everything mom eats go down and hit the baby on top of the head? Again, I had to restrain my feelings to laugh. I explained that the baby was carried in a special place so that the food did not hit him in the head. For the next 45 minutes, we had the most interesting talk as we traveled towards our destination. Finally, as the conversation waned, I told my son how much I enjoyed our talk together. Then being desirous to recap this experience, I said, Mike, what did you learn from our discussion today? I was anxious to hear him repeat some of the great knowledge I had imparted to him. 
He pondered for, for some time, then he stood up in his, the seat of our car, stepped over the console, put his arms around my neck, and said, I learned that I love my dad. Well, I love that story, too. Just mm, that relationship. So powerful. That relationship, you know, spending time with your children, and that's all they need. I love that when President Udorf said that love with our children is spelled T-I-M-E. And that's the greatest joy of our life is spending time with our kids. And I watched that with them loving time with their own children and it just it's, it, there's nothing better right the gift, keep, the gift keeps on giving <laughs> exactly so today we are going to challenge you to lds let's do something and i guess our challenge today is just decide on something maybe a way to build or or strengthen a relationship with each of your children this week whether through it's a compliment even a hug a smile a kind word just do something and that would be awesome do something to connect we love that so thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. We're so grateful for those of you who listen and share this podcast with others. And so we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, have a great week.